Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. Man, I'm learning like a lot two about rappers ago, it was today. Years. Yeah, and that's you know not circles that I run in much, so I don't know a whole lot about it other than just what I. I don't know, but it sounds like culture. you watched the videos and you've seen them at Subway in Fifty, 50 Cent. <laughs> well, it's more like what's even funnier is the white guys that are trying to play the part that are clearly not that part. <laughs> it's like where do you go after your video looking the way that you do, dude? There's now, no doesn't, way. Doesn't, doesn't Fifty? Doesn't he have the big clock around his neck? Uh, no, that's um, that's uh, oh come on, uh, Run DMC. No, and it's not Run DMC. They don't have clocks. Those guys don't know what time it is. Was it? No, no, Public Enemy. That's what it was. Are you um, sure? Yes, Public Enemy. And we... what's the guy's name? The, I, I know the guy's name too. We're He's so the little skinny, obnoxious so guy. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, but this he was the little skinny, obnoxious guy. That was a hey boy. He was that guy. Yeah, um, and That's his name. I know him. No, that is not Fifty Cent. Fifty Cent was the guy who was he was in prison for a while, and was he? Uh, yeah, he's pretty bulked up. He 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 got it. He got in a in a problem with a sex tape, and the question was, how did it all come about, and did he have anything to do with it, and who did it, and the whole thing. So yeah, Steve Burgess is going to fill us in on the whole thing. So we're actually doing an intro to uh, to one of the interviews that you did. And this interview is for Steve Burgess. Yeah. And he's going to fill us in on the whole 50 cent thing. Yo, it is. Yeah. All on right. truth, lies and cover ups. That's us. That's us. That's what we're doing here, despite <laughs> how it may appear on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't actually plan this this intro, but it just happened. So. It's killing me that I can't remember this guy's name from P.E. Um I think someone needs to write in and tell us who it is. Uh, it, it, to reach out to us by email. We love hearing from you guys, by the way. If we you do. want to reach out to us by email, Body Language Tracy. That's Tracy spelled with an I. Mm -hmm. Tracy at gmail.com. Yeah. And just so you know, I don't read that um, email. Alex reads it. We shield Tracy from the emails because she would end up in a conversation with half the world and never get anything I would. Done. I would. She so if you're crazy, if you're crazy, just don't write in. If you have something legit to tell us about rappers, we do want to know. <laughs> and you can write in about that. But you know what we should do, Alex? What? We should just get to the interview. We should probably get to Steve Burgess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'll catch you on the flip side. Okay. It's Tracy, and I have with me someone who I know has a fascinating story, and I have so much to learn from. I got Steve Burgess in the house. How are you, Steve? Hey, I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day. It's actually warm today. Now, where are you? San Luis Obispo, California. Okay, I was just out that way. I was in San Jose. I spoke at the um, Associated Equipment Dealers Association. It was uh, heavy equipment. It was chilly. Yeah, it's actually, it's been a little chilly until yesterday was warming up and today it's like 76. Uh-huh. Oh, that sounds great. San Luis Obispo is great. I love it out there. So I do too. Yeah. So, okay. Here is, uh, is why we're talking today is because you got involved in a pretty interesting case uh, doing digital forensics. That's your whole jam is digital forensics, which define that for us really quickly. 
Sure. So at basically, I make the shortest summary is it's like a computer detective. So um, I dig into computers and devices and cell phones and other digital media like uh, images and emails and electronic documents and so forth. And I, uh, with the intention of finding out what's real about the device or the whatever, and digging up stuff that people tried to hide or maybe accidentally, you know, semi-destroyed uh, with the intention of showing for litigation that somebody or something did or didn't do something. Does that make Got sense? Got it. Yes. Okay. Yes, it does. And it sounds like there's a million applications of that, which we're going to talk about. But we're going to talk about the big one first. And that is that you got involved in the 50 cent, 50, 50 cent um, sex tape scandal. Now, I looked this up because I didn't really know about it. But he published an X-rated sex tape to embarrass a rap rival of his. And there was a big court case. He ended up going bankrupt over the whole thing. And we haven't heard much from Fiddy since then. So what happened? How did you get involved? What was your role in the whole thing? Fill us in. Take us into the case. Sure, sure. So uh, a Florida man, I mean, an attorney from Florida. uh, (laughs) It's all Florida man. (laughs) (laughs) Called me uh, late on a Friday uh, when anybody in Florida should be uh, home uh, drinking or whatever. Right. And um and he said, there's there's this video and we're afraid that uh, it's going to get taken down over the weekend now that we filed charges. And it's of this, uh, it's a sex tape of uh, Rick Ross's uh, ex-baby mama. I guess you can't be an ex-baby mama because you still have the child, right? I'm not well, sure. yeah, you'd be a baby mama, but you could be an ex-girlfriend or an ex-wife. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, his ex-girlfriend. Okay. So I'm I was kind of reluctant to like out of the blue. It's the end of the day. No way to collect a retainer. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, but I thought, you know, this is going to be like half an hour of work. Uh-huh. But it turns out that it was everywhere in the hip hop world. There were it was in in dozens, uh, maybe not hundreds, but close to that of places all over the hip hop world. So the uh, the deal behind it was that. Um, Fiddy and and Rick Ross, they always had some kind of beef going, right? Right. So uh, Fiddy was trying to embarrass Rick Ross by finding his former, um, excuse me, girlfriends, and then taking him out for like buying clothes or getting them drinks or things like that. And then um, he uh, he put the word out, of course, for maybe not, of, excuse me, maybe not, of course, but he put the word out for anything that would be like uh, embarrassing. And it turns out that this young woman who had been a Fiddy's partner uh, had uh, they broken up and she was dating. And on like her third date or something, her her new beau uh, convinced her to uh, do a, a sex tape a video. Cause, yeah, because that's always a good idea. Right. <laughs> like, we, I mean, back in the day, it was like. It was a little different. It was a VHS. You're like, okay, like Paris Hilton. Okay, whatever. Now with the, with the internet, <laughs> oh my God. Everywhere all the time. It's ridiculous. Anyway, okay. Every video, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So uh, uh, um, after she told him to erase it, he said he would. They broke up. 
And but of course he hadn't erased it. Uh -huh. And um and when he found out that Fiddy was offering money for this or his people, uh, he sold it to him. And the the guy's face is blurred out in the video, mm -hmm. but it's a 13 and a half minute amateur, very explicit uh video. And so um 50 Cent has this other character called Pimpin' Curly, where he's, you know, does <laughs> what now? Wait, Pimpin' Curly? Pimpin' Curly. Pimpin' Curly, okay. <laughs> so he puts on a big uh, curly wig and he does a, a heavily accented, uh, you know, a fake city accent. And he started narrating this video. <laughs> and, at, you know, he first it starts with a camera on pimp and curly's face uh -huh. and he starts talking about this and then it slowly slides into the actual video and he starts making all these commentaries uh very very insulting um doing his best to also uh, embarrass uh rick ross uh -huh. so like she had a, a rick ross tattoo i think it might have oh. been, i think it was a tattoo on her neck and you know he made a point of when she was had her face in the camera of you know, focusing on that. Anyway, basically, she was roadkill for him to embarrass uh, Rick Ross. And um, and then some not I don't know how long after her niece. She didn't know this was any place. Uh -huh. She thought it had been destroyed, at least as I understand it. Uh -huh. And um, so then her niece called her one day and said, and so and so, why are you having sex on the Internet? And she was I mean, she just couldn't even believe it. And uh, she felt like it was ruining her life. So yeah. she sued him for a violation of privacy. And um, this is still the short version. So she won, I think, $7 million, um, which was, and then the jury awarded her more. Uh -huh. And um, so my job in this was to, First of all, at, at the beginning to find you want me to roll on or do you want to ask? Yeah, me? yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you here. Okay. So my job at first was to find out where this was on the internet and document it. Okay. And then later on, um, to find out how it got on the internet. So um Okay, they, so wait, yeah. now I have a question. Yeah. Okay, so you gotta find everywhere it is on the internet, like all the sites? Is that what we're talking about here? Uh, just a lot of places to act as evidence. Not every place. I'm sure I did okay. every place. Okay. And so, and then you got to find out how it got there. And that is interesting. So what do you, and I'm sure you had to find out some more things, right? But why don't we dig into evidence. that Sorry, first. go ahead. Say again. Uh, why don't we dig into how it got there first? Because there's probably a lot more that you went into. Sorry about that. I I forwarded the phone, but I guess it rings once. Oh, um, how it got there. So here's the thing that uh, Fiddy had made a, a special site just for this at first, although there's other stuff on it now mm -hmm. called Boo, Boo Boo TV mm -hmm. and started promoting it uh, with little clips that were non-pornographic, but very suggestive, uh, highly just just shy of pornographic and mm -hmm. um, and started putting that out to all the hip hop sites. So they started, you know, populating the hip hop universe with these clips and, and the day that it was going to happen. So um, part of what I looked at was where that video came from on the internet. Uh, it was an embedded link 
from a third party social media, do it yourself social media uh, site. Mm-hmm. And um, we we never did find out who this. I think this is the most interesting part to me uh, as, from a technical perspective. Uh-huh. We never did find out who it was that put that there, who rented that particular third party social media site. Uh-huh. Uh, because no, neither side wanted us, neither side apparently wanted to subpoena that site because neither side apparently, this is all I can figure, neither side apparently really wanted to know who was responsible. So Fiddy said that Rick Ross was responsible for that being streamed. Uh-huh. Kind of doesn't make sense. And of course, Rick, uh, uh, the, the um, plaintiff said that Fiddy was responsible for it being up there. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, I went through a lot of emails from his people and his uh, production company uh, and looked at sort of the sources of the emails, uh, authenticated that these were really from this person to that person through these mail servers on these dates and times and so forth. OK, so, OK, stop right there. I will. How do you authenticate who really sent an email? Because there's a lot of ways to spoof emails and get into people's accounts and all this stuff. So what do you do? Like, how does it really work? Sure. So, uh, you know, the the header of an email that we mostly see has got the subject time date yeah. uh, from two. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's a deeper header that is, is not too difficult to see. Uh, and uh, especially if you have the, the source, once it, it, if the source will have uh, an email ID, which is unique and it's assigned by a mail server. So it's not really fakeable unless what you're doing is uh, creating a document that shows that instead of actually looking at the source. So if you're looking at the source, then you can determine that this was uh, stamped there by the mail server. You can see the IP addresses and the mail servers that it went through and the accurate date and time. And uh, when you see the reply to that, it references the previous unique uh, email ID number. And it's a long thing, you know, uh-huh. so- it's not very fakeable. So if you have access to the source information to the mail server, uh, especially if it's, I don't remember if they use Gmail or if they use their own mail server, honestly, because mm-hmm. it was several years ago. But with with webmail, which a lot of people do, you know, like Hotmail and mm-hmm. Outlook uh, 365 and Gmail, that is, if you're looking at the source email, you can trust that information. Huh. Okay. So you're looking to see who really sent emails to who and was the production company involved in it? Is that, was that the question or what? There was a lot of discussion about how to do this thing. The, the details aren't fresh in my mind because like Mm -hmm. say, I think it was six or eight years ago, Uh but there was a lot of discussion internally. uh, And there was uh, a lot of discussion about how to, a certain amount of discussion about how to do this. And um, so, so that was, all evidence and then um and and there's a there was a counter on these various websites that showed how many times it had been viewed you know yeah so uh one of the attorneys asked me i don't know why i didn't think of this myself attorneys come up with technical questions you know often are pretty smart that i didn't necessarily think of so they asked me to see if when the counter for how many times people were watching the video uh, was incrementing was that real oh so late one night when i figured you know, it was like one in the morning when i figured first of all uh, my children weren't going to be 
looking over my shoulder. And and because um, I did this at home because of the middle of the night, uh-huh. plus the work I did in my office. And where I figured there weren't going to be as many people up, uh, I went to this one website that had one of the counters that was incrementing for uh-huh. this uh, sex tape. And I just went to what was the most popular video of the day. And I logged on and off and on and off and on and off. And I could see it incrementing by one or more each time I logged on. Uh-huh. It just so happened that day, the most popular video was uh, a couple, uh, let's say, in flagrante delicto while uh, skydiving. Oh, <laughs> yikes. I know. It must have been chilly. <laughs> You'd think. Oh, my. God. Okay. So, uh so you figured out like the counters were correct. So what does that mean? What's that have to do with anything? So then we could show to the court how many times this was potentially being viewed. Okay. But also their website had metrics that showed, uh, I, I'm still a little bit fuzzy on the details, but the website had metrics that showed, uh, I, I think Google Analytics that showed um how often it was being viewed mm-hmm. and on on that basis the court was able to give direction to the jury about whether or not this was really real mm-hmm. so so then um what did you find that was anything interesting in that whole thing like like are you like yep all this is real or like what because if no one wants to know who put it up then what's What's really the point of bringing you in? The it was being promoted by uh-huh. by Curtis Jackson, uh, Fifty Cent's uh, real name, and oh. so it was being promoted by him. It was being spread around the internet by his promoting it, uh-huh. and it was on the basis of that that they were able to say, uh, at least partially on the basis of that, they were able to say his actions damaged the plaintiff. Oh, got it. Got it. Okay. He didn't do himself any favors in this case. For for one thing, I never actually saw him in court, although he sat in the same chair as I did as an oh. expert witness. Um, <laughs> but uh, he wasn't in court. And it was kind of weird. Can I tell you a little bit about Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, the airline lost my luggage. Mm-hmm. And so the next day, I was in clothes that I'd been in more or less for 40 hours. And I was on my way to get a suit in, in New York City. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, the lawyer called me and said, just come to the courthouse. They're getting started. We'll just tell the court that they lost your luggage. Fortunately, um, the court reporter was not downwind from me. So that was good. And, um, and, and this is summertime in an old courthouse building, uh, New York Superior Court, which most other places would, I mean, Supreme Court, uh-huh. most other places would be called Superior Court. Okay. And um and every time I got asked a question, somebody from the other side would object. Uh-huh. And then there would be like there'd be the objection on the floor and then they'd approach the judge's bench uh-huh. and then sometimes they go back into the judge's chambers. Seven attorneys would like come up, go in the judge's chambers, come back out and to me it just looked like a clown car show, you know. Oh. And <laughs> and in the first in that day where I was on the stand for about six hours, I managed to actually testify for about 45 minutes. Because and of all the breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That allowed my luggage to get to me and it allowed me to be, uh, and the and the, the court was closed the following day. So that allowed me to be properly dressed uh, for the next court date. 
so and, and that wasn't quite so interruptive. And there was a uh, there was a, court, a reporter, not a court reporter, but a journalist from the New York Daily News was there. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of fun to see my name in the New York Daily News, I got to say. Oh, my gosh. So so then you were able to get to that. Yep, he totally did it. This is a it's almost like a defamation case a little bit, but it's more of like, what? how would you term it? Well, it was a, a violation of privacy. And OK. I, yeah. So um, then on Friday, uh, I got to go home. I got to fly uh -huh. back to California. Mm -hmm. But um, that day, I think it was Friday, the judge had the jury members watch this 13 and a half minute video. Uh -huh. and, and some of them were devastated. One woman started crying. She was so upset by it. It wasn't uh -huh. any violence. It was all, um, you know, consenting adults. But um and then the judge said, OK, we're after break for the weekend. You can't talk to anybody about this. So I thought, oh, my God, how can you tell the jury uh -huh. right before the weekend that they can't talk about this blockbuster thing or the video that they saw? Uh huh. But um, then the next week, um, Fiddy didn't show up in court one day because he was at a birthday party in Rhode Island. Oh, and he also did. And I had nothing to do with this, but these were some of the antics afterwards. And then uh, he declared bankruptcy, um, you know, what, probably. So we went up to pay this. He was facing um, some other uh, civil liability cases having to do with some headphones that apparently he wasn't authorized to resell, oh. and, which was a, a, actually a, theoretically a bigger case. Mm -hmm. And um, and after he declared, after he filed for bankruptcy, he put up a picture of himself on the internet uh with the word laying on a on a uh futon or a bed or something with the word broke spelled out behind him in stacks of hundred dollar bills <laughs> <laughs> that did not make the judge really happy but oh my gosh i really like the judge by the way and that's you know some judges i always i always feel i'm in the judge's house so i got to pay attention uh-huh some some are some you like and others like you you wonder why they're there now because you do this a lot like for trials right or tell yeah. us more about about what you like the broad scope of what you do sure so i've been doing uh data recovery or and computer forensics for 38 years okay and 28 years of that has been computer and digital forensics and as a uh -huh. testifying, testifying expert witness so i'm sometimes i'm in depositions and sometimes in the courthouse in depositions, uh, the attorneys can get away with being evil, wicked, mean, and nasty, and sometimes they do, and uh -huh. and it's a challenge. Um, you know, it's like uh, it's like when I was a kid with six brothers and sisters, and we we're always fighting. Uh -huh. but, uh, but in court, the the judge has a certain amount of decorum. He doesn't let people get away with stuff. Uh -huh. the jury is often not falling asleep, uh, so I I get to. The jury often gets asked questions, so I get to like put on my professor's hat, mm -hmm. uh, both the judge and for the jury, and uh, and I really like that. And um, and there's a lot of people. I'm going to sound like a prima donna when I say this, but there's a lot of people in my profession who are prima donnas and act like it on uh -huh. on the stand. And I I do my best to be you know respectful and Joe Professor Electronic Nerd. Uh huh. Dude. Uh huh. <laughs> Now, uh, how often are you in court? So for the last three years, with one exception, court has been remote. 
Um, but uh-huh. uh, it's you know, like four times a year, three, four times a year, most okay. years. You know, some years it's a bunch. Some years it's hardly any. It just depends. Few cases actually get to court. Sure. Now, is there a common trend on reasons you're hired? Like, like probably not a lot of sex tapes, right? But uh... no. <laughs> <laughs> there is there is one. Well, there there are you know there are spouses who hire me to see whether or not there's that kind of thing on their spouse's device. Uh huh. But that's general. I mean, that's sort of like. You know, my soon-to-be ex uh, is doing this, so uh-huh. they'll want me to look and see. You know, that's fairly distasteful, especially if, uh, you know, if children's future is at stake. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I had my own kids put through college, so. <laughs> okay. Um, so then any other unusual cases that you've worked on that come to memory? Oh, sure. So um, let's see. There was this. Uh, there was this young man who was accused of hacking into top secret uh, government uh, uh, site at uh, Lawrence Livermore. And yeah. And so uh, they sent us a ton of uh, probably seven hard drives and, or seven computers with hard drives and and Mm -hmm. some other devices. And, uh, and the FBI actually, and I was, so I was working for the attorney who was working with this kid. Mm-hmm. The, the kid's problem is that he was way too full of himself. He, uh-huh. he thought himself to be the great hacker. And so when he had the opportunity to get paid uh, to do a little bit of, of you know, IT backdoor stuff, uh, he, he picked up on it. So he, um, first of all, his, his friend mm-hmm. uh, apparently, I don't know the whole background of it, but his friend apparently outed him to the FBI. And so the FBI offered him money to uh, hack uh, this Pizza Hut's uh, computer. Oh. So uh, they offered him a, really a pittance, like a hundred bucks or something like uh-huh. that. And so he did that, but he had already set up that Pizza Hut's the computer. And so he had a backdoor in there. It was fairly straightforward for him. So then they went to the next thing and then they went to the like big time, right, to, to get federal secrets uh-huh. and uh, nuclear secrets was oh. the, the idea. And uh, first of all, he had them pay him by Western Union in his own name. <laughs> was sort of before crypto, but uh, uh-huh. already that's kind of like, dude, you know, if that's, I mean, do at least something to hide a little bit of who you are. Uh-huh. But what he ended up doing, as I recall, was he went through his um, his the college he went to's portal to a college in Japan, mm-hmm. and then to the portal for uh, Lawrence uh, Labs, mm-hmm. and all that he got was the image, the page that said "You can't be here." He never. Mm-hmm. There's never any evidence that he actually hacked into any nuclear secrets. But it turned into this big story uh, in the in the news all uh-huh. over the place about the secret group. Well, the secret group was this guy and his friend. Oh, so and, then, so you were on the side of the hacker trying to prove he didn't do it, or that, or that nothing that he did was actually damaging. Right, it's kind of halfway between those two. So, okay, uh, there was there was a bunch of statements by the FBI that said, 
that this discussion had been going on, but there wasn't any evidence of that on any of the devices. Uh-huh. And really what it came down to is he had gotten to a gateway page um, and he had been bragging about it. So, and the big problem uh-huh. was his first attorney let him plead guilty and um, he was going to be spend several years in jail, uh-huh. have to pay a whole ton of money. And um, because he had pled guilty, he wasn't able to get off completely. But his new attorney and working with me managed to mitigate it so he didn't spend any time in jail. He paid uh, $10,000 to the first place that he had actually hacked. Uh-huh. And I may be misremembering a few of the details, but uh, what it, it came down to, his life didn't get ruined. Okay. Wow. Well, he's probably working for someone doing something important now. Yeah. Uh, probably working for the government. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> so um, have you ever done any hacking yourself? No, I'm not a coder. I can dig into coding. It's like I can fix a sewing machine, but I can't sew. You know, mm-hmm. I I can take apart code to a certain extent, but I'm not a coder. I, I uh, Have you ever heard of Fortran? Yeah, it's old, oh, isn't it? In college, what's that? It's old, isn't it? It's old. Yeah, yeah, it's old. Yeah. I'm not so young myself. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, yeah, the the only computer class I ever took all the way through was a Fortran class at UC Santa Barbara in the 70s. Oh, see, now I took, I have a little bit of history in programming. I took, because um, I thought I was going to be an IT major in college or a dual major or something. Um, and I took a, a class in Pascal. Uh-huh. And which was kind of like the precursor to taking C, right? Yeah. And so I ended up, I was failing the class because because I understood it and I got it. But the way the tests were written, because you know there's a hundred different ways you can write a program sure. to do the same thing. And sure. I could not understand because the, the the professor would give us like the first few lines and then leave a blank. And then the last few lines, and we were supposed to fill in the lines of code um to get this little program to do whatever right and i could never get on the professor's line of thought for this code that i needed to write and so i was failing this class even though i knew how to do it but so but the whole goal of the class was to build a game and there was a um and that was our final exam was this game and there was this contest that if you thought your game was good enough you could um you could enter in, in this contest and the class would vote in the top five, got an automatic a without having to take the final. And I won. <laughs> I, I built a game where you could write your own music and it would play it back to you. And I like on us on a staff and everything. Oh, nice. and, and so anyway, the, and then I was like, I'm done with computers. <laughs> I can't, I'm not gonna be able to hack any more of this. My, no. my big project for Fortran was to write a program that would predict when the uh, gal next door and her boyfriend would begin making noises against the wall. Oh no. <laughs> How did you do that? Did you just time it every night and figure out the, the, the trend? I Well, she was best friends with the gal I was seeing at the time. I uh-huh. was 21, you know? And so I was, I probably wouldn't write such a program now. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about like, how can the common person, because we all have like text messages and 
emails and this stuff like lives for like like tom brady ran over his cell phone and he thought that that would be fine and no one would see all these text messages for the deflate gate what's the reality of how our information is stored is is there a way to protect ourselves like what do we need to know so let me make a a terrible statement if you're connected to the internet you're hackable Okay. okay now i'm gonna take the edge off that statement and that is your phone is not very hackable, especially if you don't let anybody else touch it and you store stuff locally instead of in the cloud mm-hmm. and you use secure passwords and um, uh, and you don't click on links from people you don't know mm-hmm. and you don't look at photos that are from someone you don't know. If, if you keep all that in mind you're and you're not of interest to a government entity, you're probably pretty secure. And <laughs> almost nobody who is listening and and certainly not me are of interest to a government entity. So because it's really, really, really expensive to have those kinds of tools. There is um, there is a device, I think uh, it's called a shark that uh, can uh, set up a fake uh, cell tower. So you think you're bouncing off the cell tower oh. and you're actually bouncing off this device uh, a lot of law enforcement uh, organizations have it, but um, if you're using something that's encrypted end to end, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because the encryption happens before it leaves your phone. Mm-hmm. So if it hits, you know, this or that has some kind of a attack like that, they're still not going to be able to decrypt it probably. Uh-huh. And um, another thing is to allow encryption on your phone. Another thing is not to use a stupid password. Like, guess what the most popular iPhone password is? One, two, three. Almost one, two, three, four. Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so use a six-digit code. Uh, don't have it be anything associated with any uh, uh, birth date or or a, a number like zero 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 zero. I don't know if you remember, but Kanye West, excuse me, or whatever he's called now. <laughs> What is he called now? I don't remember. Anyway, Yi. Yi. Oh, right, oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a picture, uh, a little video of him showing Donald Trump his phone, and he types in in front of the camera his passcode, which was zero 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 zero. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, um, and and also, you know, uh, frontline tech support people for a lot of like cell phones, mm-hmm. they're. Re- they're trained to get your device working. They're not trained to protect your data. Right. So even when you're talking to them, you have to be careful. A lot of times they're going to tell you to reset your phone and then you're going to lose all the data on your phone. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, people who should know better uh, get fished. You know what? I have on more than one occasion, not very many, but thought that an email I got from my bank was was from my bank, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you click on the link and it looks just like your real bank. Yeah. And then there's a lot going around where uh, people have got and e- have managed to get access to somebody's email uh, and seeing that there's email going back and forth between, say, you and a bank. Yeah. They'll set up a website that is just like the bank's website, only off by a letter, mm-hmm. off by a number. So it looks just like it. I've had several cases where millions of dollars have been uh, sucked away from someone. Wow. Fortunately, most of the time they get that back. 
Oh, they do. How, how do they get it back? Because the bank's insured and they notice. Banks are mostly pretty good about, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they've got their own AI looking mm-hmm. over stuff. I, I'm sure you, just as I, get uh, things all the time that says, did you really pay yeah, yeah. dollars to this? So um, um, I just wish they wouldn't cancel the card without telling me. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that's actually a pretty common scam now. But And that's for people who are working for companies when they're in the middle of a transaction, mm-hmm. so, you know, they get $70,000 in, in a chunk like that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they don't get it back. A lot of times they're using transfers to foreign banks. Mm-hmm. It's not that the foreign bank is, uh, is in on the, on the fraud. It's that the foreign bank just happens to have an account for these people. So they'll have this domain for a month and mm-hmm. defraud several people and then, you know, cl- close the domain. so um there's just there's there's actually a a number if i can say this there's a number of of uh articles i've written on my website yeah if you go to the site which is burgessforensics.com and look for the word hacking um there will be uh there'll be a couple of semi-humorous articles i think Mm -hmm. uh and several about uh cases real cases Mm -hmm. holding sort of the uh, you know fake detective noir style but mostly you're going to find uh articles with a bunch of resources on how to protect yourself better uh-huh wow okay okay so uh burgessforensics.com that's how people can get a hold of you um and then is there any people that like you don't want to get a hold of you like uh i'm sure you get some crazies calling you anybody that we need to say hey don't don't call steve well I don't want to offend people. <laughs> uh, most of the people who call who think they've their device has been hacked, especially uh-huh. the devices their phone, is have not been hacked. Okay. Uh, however, their their online accounts may well have been compromised. Uh-huh. Um, so when s- there's a, a couple of there's a couple of kinds of cases that I try and talk people out of using me. Okay. It seems stupid, but. Uh, but also, you know, people need to be heard. First of all, if people think they've been hacked, people get hacked all the time, uh-huh. right? It, it really happens, especially with computers or with mobile devices where the situation is they've downloaded something that's got a payload uh-huh. or someone else has got access to that device. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but like I say, most of the time, it's their online accounts have been compromised. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can advise them a little bit about that. Um, part of, and it's for some reason when people say they've been hacked, people think they're crazy, mm-hmm. which doesn't really make sense because there's millions of hacks all the time. But if it yeah. happens to you and you say it, people think you're crazy. I don't know what that is. That must be some weird human nature thing. Huh. Um, the thing that makes people seem crazier is when they ascribe agency to the hack. So they know it was their incredible genius uh, ex-boyfriend's girlfriend uh-huh. that did this because they know everything about computers. Or uh-huh. they think the government's after them because they wrote an article in the local paper or something. Then those are the people who are hard to convince, even if there's no evidence, that they probably haven't been hacked. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Um and then the other thing is with uh, mobile devices, and this isn't necessarily a forensic thing so much, 
but we use forensic tools for um, for uh, like mobile devices. One of the first tools we use is called Celebrite, which is what the FBI uses. It costs me almost twenty thousand dollars. Wow! Plus something like sixty five hundred dollars a year. It's crazy expensive, but it can only do so much. Uh-huh. So if if someone has deleted, say, texts three years ago mm-hmm. uh, and has been using their device since then, on a computer, especially a Windows computer, there's a reasonable chance we'll get some of that. Oh. On a cell phone, there's almost no chance because anything that's deleted isn't gone until something overwrites it. But everything you do on your device writes something, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, uh, and uh, especially with the kind of of memory that uh, mobile devices have, they start cleaning up unused space also. So the phone's own bookkeeping uh, helps to get rid of data after a while. Uh-huh. Um, after a few months, the odds are, are very, very, very slim, uh-huh. especially with iOS updates being pushed down the line and so forth. And, you know, it's, uh, it's sold as security. And so it, it is more secure to have that stuff be gone, but it's very frustrating when you're trying to get it back. <laughs> sure, sure. Oh man. So so then you can or you can't get three year old text back. It's rare to get three year old text back on a mobile device that's being regularly used. Okay. Since the time of the deletions. It's less rare on a computer, especially a Windows computer. Uh-huh. Wow. Okay. So um anybody else who shouldn't call you? <laughs> yeah people who want to ask me how to get rid of data oh data disposal now that's interesting because i assume you can do that but yeah um... i don't i don't talk to people about that i had a i had a guy call me he said um i think i'm gonna be in the middle of a divorce case soon so how do i get rid of all this stuff on my phone (laughs) and i was like homie don't play that I said, I'm sorry, we don't discuss how to destroy data. What I was thinking about saying was, hey, what's your wife's name and number? Let's talk to her. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. On that note, I think we should wrap this up. All the things to not call you about, but um, legitimately for court cases and things like that, um, probably the best resource around, I think, is you. So thanks. Yeah. So um, any any last uh, one little tidbit for people? Or have we covered yeah, it all, Steve? Don't, almost nobody has a, yeah, this isn't, uh, doesn't sound exactly like what we're talking about, but it is. Uh-huh. Almost nobody has a right to your social security number. Uh, your employer, your financial institution, the government, that's mostly it. And yet, you know, every doctor's office, every yep. office he goes into, ask for it. So, you know, what I put there is you shouldn't be asking me this. You don't have to give them that information. Uh-huh. You you, uh, you certainly don't want to give that information on a piece of paper to a, a minimum wage employee at the front desk who may or not be happy, may or may not be happy in their job. Right. You know, and, and for them to have access to hundreds of clients, social security numbers is a really bad idea. Got it. Protect yourself. You heard it here. So, Steve, thank you so much for coming on Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. You're just a wealth of information. Thanks. I um, it's, it's easy to get me talking. <laughs> Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate, and review it. I'll see you next time.
catch you on the flip side listening to you trying to sound like a rapper yo i know that is so i'm so ridiculous (coughs) okay besides that we didn't know we were doing an intro that was (laughs) i have to look this guy up flavor flav that's it is that is that it put put that in the in the in the uh uh what do you do that the secret thing you listen to at the end the secret sauce what yeah you know the um what do they call that when you do the outtakes at the end Flavor, flave, out. I can't believe you've been watching eighties. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, boy. You know, kudos to Flavor Flav because we're saying that we don't even know who he is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yay for him. He's got us. No, ain't nobody saying stuff I said like that.